Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is November the 8th. And our chapter for today is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord, that's a very important phrase, underline it, circle it, highlight it. The day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not of the darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are the sons of light and the sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. And then the Apostle Paul admonishes, instructs the believers at Thessaloniki that they are to walk not in laziness and sleepiness and not being sober, but they are to be alert because this is going to happen suddenly. Then it says, for God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you have been doing. Now, whatever it is that the Apostle Paul is talking about in this day of the Lord, he says that you're going to be delivered from it, that it's not going to overtake the followers of Jesus as something that is going to be frightful and fearful for them. As a matter of fact, they are told in verse 11 to comfort one another with these words. Now, that seems odd unless you understand the context. The Apostle Paul has been talking about the rapture of the church in chapter 4. Remember, there are no chapter breaks. There are no verses. And so the Apostle Paul is finishing his thought. So he was talking about two things. He was talking about our gathering unto the Lord as the church of Jesus in chapter 4. That's what is called the raptus, the harpazo, the snatching away, the catching away of the saints. That's what's commonly referred to in our language as the rapture. And that happens before the great day of the Lord, before what is comparable to in the language of Jesus, the Megale Thalipsis, the great tribulation. And so I want to talk to you about the day of the Lord. I've already talked to you about the rapture, and I will do it again. I am making a series of podcasts, as I spoke to you earlier, that deals with the great timeline of the end time events. And so I'll talk to you about our present day and the latter days, as it is called in Scripture, the last days. Those began with the Lord Jesus and his resurrection from the dead after dying as a substitute for our sins and ascending to heaven. And I'll refer to that more in just a moment. And then there is the rapture of the church. 
then seven years of great tribulation, the first three and a half years, according to the prophet Daniel, according to the prophet of Zechariah, there is going to be a time of peace before war and hell on earth breaks loose. And so there's going to be three and a half years of great deception when the Antichrist will rise. And we'll deal with that in the book of Second Thessalonians. He is a man of deceit. He's going to be a charlatan like none who have ever lived on the earth. It's going to be Satan walking, the greatest deceiver in the universe. And he is going to deceive. The Bible says if it were not that the days were shortened, why, even the elect would be deceived. And so he is a deceiver. But here the Apostle Paul is talking about what is consistently and confluently throughout the Old Testament scriptures a day of sorrow, a day of grief, a day of awesomeness. And I don't use that word lightly. It is going to be a day of the miraculous in the sense of the wrath of God is going to be poured out upon the earth, and especially as it relates to Jerusalem and the nation of Israel and the land of Israel. Now, I'm not making that up, and that's not anti-Semitic. Sometimes when I talk about the judgments that are coming upon the land of Israel, I'm called anti-Semitic by some. That is absolutely ridiculous. I am the person that has continually stood with Israel and will as long as God gives me breath. But please understand, you're not anti-Semitic to say something to the children of Israel that they need to repent of their sins and turn to God. If that's the case, then Jesus is anti-Semitic. Paul is anti-Semitic. Peter is anti-Semitic. John the Baptist said, you brood of vipers and snakes, you need to repent. Now, he had just laid down his copy, evidently, of Andrew Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Now, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes we just get ridiculous because we don't want to hear that we need in the reality of our lives to repent of our sins. But that's exactly what we are called upon to do. And the day of the Lord in the Bible is spoken of by 13 out of 16 of the prophets of Israel. And it is always in relation to a dark day. Now, this is the kind of day that Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 24 and especially Matthew chapter 25. And it goes hand in hand with a man who talked more about the day of the Lord than any other prophet, and that is the prophet Yoel. And that means that Yahweh, Yah, is God. And so Joel's name is indeed that God is God, and he's going to show himself as that during the days of the Great Tribulation. But the book of Joel is about the day of the Lord, and the day of the Lord is spoken of as a day when God's wrath will be poured out upon the children of Israel. Now, there are past fulfillments of that, and this is not new to biblical prophecy, and those of you who have studied biblical prophecy, many times there is an immediate fulfillment of a prophecy, and then there is a future fulfillment of the prophecy. But we are looking back now, 3,000 years of history with the Jewish people, and so we go all the way back to the prophet Joel, who was one of the early prophets after the division of the kingdom. We start with chapter 1 of Joel, where he says in verse 15, Alas, 
for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come as destruction from El Shaddai, Almighty. Look at chapter 2 of Joel and verse 1. Verse 2, blow the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming, for it is at hand. And indeed, this was coming. It was a prophecy of the judgment of God upon the children of Israel, both the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Verse 2 says, a day of darkness. What day? The day of the Lord is a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, like the morning clouds spread over the mountains. And it goes on to talk about what God's going to do. Look at verse 11 of chapter 2. The Lord gives voice before his army, for his camp is very great, for strong is the one who executes his sword. Look at this. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? That doesn't sound like anything that would comfort believers during the days of Paul. Why? Because there is an admonition that says, wherefore, comfort one another with these words, just like he talked about in verse 18 of chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians. Now look at chapter 2 and verse 31 of Joel. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood. Does that sound familiar? This is the same verse that Peter preached on that great Pentecostal hour and day when he stood and 3,000 people were saved. These are the same words and the same description of a day that Jesus talked about in Matthew 24 and Matthew 25 when he was talking about the Megale Thlipsis, the Great Tribulation. Now, please understand the day of the Lord in relation to biblical prophecy and the great tribulation are used interchangeably and synonymously. That is, they are talking about the very same time in the scripture. And it is a day of judgment. Look at chapter 3 of Joel and verse 2. God said, I will also gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat. Jeho is the word for Yahweh or Hashem or YHVH. No vowels are attached to it, so we don't know how to pronounce it. I'm just pronouncing that so that you will know what name of God, the personal covenant name of God that I'm speaking of. And he puts that Jeho in verse 2 with the word for judgment, which is or to judge, and that is Shaphat. And so he says, I will gather them to the valley of Jehoshaphat. Now, this is the same thing that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24 that we'll look at in just a moment. And he said, I will enter into judgment with them there. Who is them? We're going to find out. It's the leaders of all the nations at the close of the great tribulation, according to Matthew 24 and 25. Now, on the account of my people, my heritage Israel, I will do this, whom they, that is, those that will come against them, have scattered among the nations. They also have divided up my land. He's talking about Gentiles. Hasn't that been the case over the last 2,000 years? And they're trying to do it today, but God's not going to allow it. They have cast lots for my people. That is, they've been looked upon as chattel property to be bought and sold. 
That is anti-Semitism. That is Jew hatred in its truest sense. And they have given a boy as payment for a harlot and sold a girl for wine that they may drink. Look at verse 14 of chapter 3. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. Where is that? That is the day of the Lord and what's going to happen during the last great battles. The Bible says, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. When you look at this, it becomes obvious that the day of the Lord is not good news for the enemies of God. And it is a day of deliverance ultimately for Israel. So the day of the Lord is talked about during the days of Joel and before. And so that is something in the past. So it has a past usage. There is the future usage. That is that it is going to be a day that God said, I'm going to reckon with the earth. Look at what it says in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, verse 29. Jesus said, after he had talked about what was coming in the future to his disciples on the Mount of Olives, called the Olivet Discourse. This is after his triumphal entry. This is after he had come out of Jerusalem. He was sitting on the Mount of Olives, looking over the temple area. He was looking west. And so he says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the crushing of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the heaven and all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they shall see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. In chapter 25, he talks about this very same day. In chapter 25, verse 31, he talks about, again, this valley of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, which is the Kidron Valley at the foot of the Mount of Olives, which is the great rift that runs between Mount Moriah, Mount Zion, the city of David, and just to the north of that, Mount Moriah, the most sacred place in all the earth, the place where the first and second temples were and the third temple shall be built before the days of the great tribulation. And then it says in verse 31, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, all the holy angels will be with him. Then he will sit on the throne of his glory and all the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate them one from another. All these leaders of the ethnoi, all of these ethnic groups from all over the earth, all the nations. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Now, this is what he's going to do on earth, not in heaven. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, come, you blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you as a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? 
And the king, that is the Lord Jesus, Messiah, will answer and say unto them, Amen, amen, I say unto you, most assuredly, verily, verily, I say unto you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. He's talking about those nations and how they treated the Jewish people, his brethren, specifically in this case, during the days of the great tribulation, when the world will turn against the nation of Israel. It will be the greatest anti-Semitic event, the most flagrant display of Jew hatred the world has ever seen. And then in verse 41, it says, Then will he also say to those on his left hand, Depart from me, you are cursed. What did God say to Abram? I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. This is the ultimate fulfillment of Genesis 12 and then the covenant itself in Genesis 15. And this was not only to Abram, but to Isaac and to Jacob, who changed his name to Israel, that God changed his name. These tribes were all descendants of Abram. And so he says, you are cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in naked and you did not clothe me sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer and say unto them, Amen, amen, most assuredly, verily, verily, I say unto you, inasmuch as you did it not to one of these, my brethren, you did not do it unto me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. God is very serious in how we treat the Jewish people, not only during the days of the Great Tribulation. That's right, even now. Now, you hear these verses talked about all the time in relationship to the church. Well, that is a secondary or tertiary. That's the second or third application. The primary application of that is not about the church. It is about God's people, the Jewish people. You see, the church age has only lasted 2,000 years. God called Abraham 4,000 years ago. So the Jews have been around before the church, which is made up of Jew and Gentile, a special people call himself only now 2,000 years. The Jews were already being used by God as his special people 2,000 years before the church was ever born. And the scripture says that after the church is raptured away, then there's going to be again the primary using of the Jewish people. 144,000, according to the book of Revelation, will be saved instantaneously, simultaneously, and they will become God's evangelist all over the earth. And then this is when Jesus said, when the gospel is then preached, the gospel of the kingdom is preached all over the earth, then the end will come. That's not a primary reference to the age in which we're living in, if you take it contextually, prophetically. That penetration of the gospel into all the earth is not during this age, but during the days of the Great Tribulation. And remember, the last half of that tribulation, the last three and a half years, 
there are going to be billions that are going to be killed, billions with a B at one time. If now the population of the earth is nine billion, the Bible says a third of the entire population of the earth will be slain at one time. That would be over three billion if it were to happen, if it were to happen today. Now, this is a mind boggling. It's more than our minds can get a hold of. But this is the reason I talk about the day of the Lord like the Apostle Paul did as not a day of joy, not a day when you would want to be a part of something that is associated with the day of the Lord. And yet the Bible says we will not be as believers, Jew and Gentile, those who are followers of Jesus during this age, they will be caught away. And this is why in chapter 5, it's very odd if we're going to go through the tribulation and we're going to see the wrath of God poured out upon the earth. And Paul says in chapter 5, verse 11, therefore comfort each other and edify one another just as you're also doing. I don't believe that that even fits in the context. No, Jesus is coming and he's coming for his own. Do I believe that he will deliver us, those of us who are his, during the great days of the Great Tribulation? No, I believe he will deliver us before then. And he will give grace to those that are upon the earth. And God will once again reign from Jerusalem at the end of the tribulation period after he comes back and establishes his kingdom. He will judge the nations in the valley of Kidron, in the valley of Jehoshaphat, on the eastern slopes of Mount Moriah, where it all began and where it'll all end. And then Messiah will reign for a thousand years. Now, just one added note before I go. I know I'm long, but chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians and chapter 1 says, but concerning the times and seasons. This is a reference to the days when Messiah will come and reign upon the earth. Your reference for that is Acts chapter 1, after Jesus had been talking for 40 days concerning the kingdom to his disciples after his resurrection. They came, there they were on the Mount of Olives where the Messiah was coming, and uh, they said to him, the resurrected Lord, before he ascended, after 40 days of Jesus telling them what the kingdom's going to be like, here they were, there's the Messiah, there's the temple, there's the Kidron Valley in front of them. And they said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? That's a messianic phrase that is depicted as the millennial reign in Revelation chapter 20. And Jesus answered the very same words. It's not for you to know the times and the seasons. That's in the Father's hands, but you get busy making disciples. For On The Way, this is Tony Chris. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.